CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday and it's time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Tonight, the S&P 500 snapping a four-week-long rally after the Fed signaled continuing rate hikes. Is this a bump in the road or a slump into next month? We'll help you plan. Then oil service is moving the opposite direction, up. We'll look at a particular play that could keep your profits flowing. And finally, Jets has been quietly gaining altitude, but everything needs to come in for a landing at some time. Find out how close, how not to lose, excuse me, your baggage. With me, as always, our panel of experts, Carter Worth, my co, and Tony Zhang. Let's get straight to it. The market stocks closing lower across the board today. While the markets have made an impressive run since their June lows, the chartmaster says a rally may be losing some steam. Carter, why? Right. Well, I mean, the big question we're all wondering, the truth is, because nobody knows, is it simply a counter trend rally? Because we're in a downtrend that's been in effect since Jan 4 that ultimately fails and we go on and make new lows. Or is this the beginning of some new bullish period? I'm in the former camp, but there are plenty of people in the latter. Let's draw some lines. First chart, S&P 500 with nothing on it. This is just the chart. It is what it is. No judgments, no annotations, no lines. Let's put some lines in. This is the exact same chart. And you can see quite precisely that on the way up, um, the market sort of responded or adhered to that trend line drawn. And now, since the peak, it's the exact opposite. It, it's adhered to. And it hit its head this week, essentially, at that uh, downward sloping line. So how much lower can it go? Let's zero in a little tighter. Look at the SPYs, S-P-Y. This is just a here and now chart over the past um, year. And you can see this uh, sort of major juncture in relief, right? We've rallied to the penny to a downtrend line and we hit our head. Now, where might we be headed? Um, Let's zero in a little tighter, final chart. So this is the actual very precise, mathematically precise channel that the market has been ascending in since uh, the June-July lows. And we are threatening now to break the lower band. Um, I think that's what happens. And I think we're going down at least into the high threes, if you will. So in the SPY, that's 38 or 380, 390. In the SP 500, 38, 3900. Thank you for that, Carter. Mike, how do you trade this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm kind of in Carter's camp here. Uh, I think people who have been following the show know that we uh, we're long only mostly in our in our fund for sure, and we did pair our positions pretty significantly after what I think was a great uh, week for retail. I think everybody's been following that. Uh, the question you have to ask yourself is really, I think, right now, how you want to play it from an options perspective. Uh, the as Carter says, the lines kind of draw themselves, and here are some things to sort of keep in mind when you're looking at a situation like this. If you're anticipating a sharp move, a really big uh, drop or a really big spike, that's the time that you want to go out and use single leg long options. Buy a call if you're bullish, buy a put if you're bearish. If you think that you are in a downtrend and therefore you're likely going to drift to a target, then that's when you probably want to use a debit spread. And if we were range bound, that would be the real circumstance where you would look to sell premium Uh, like credit spreads. So as Carter articulated, 
We are in a downtrend. We've hit the upper end of that. He's identified a target and is expecting us to drift to that lower one. And therefore, I think a debit put spread is the trade that's going to make the most sense here. You know, he spoke specifically about the high 300s, 380, 390. So that's what we're targeting. When you have a level that you're targeting, that's the strike you want to sell. So I was looking at the October 420, 390 put spread, that $30 wide put spread. It cost a little over $7.70 when I was looking at that today. Uh, most people will know that I usually am looking for about a three to one uh, payoff when I'm putting on a debit spread like this, which is close to at the money, but uh, it's not in the money. And that's essentially what we're getting right here. The idea is that you're just going to use the, the strike uh, that you are selling uh, to help finance the purchase of the option that you're buying. Tony, what's your take on this? Yeah, so I'm certainly in the same camp here as Carter and Mike with respect to the broader view of the of the markets. And if you look at the 430 level that SPY uh, uh, traded lower from earlier this week, it, it's the intersection of some pretty important levels. You have that downtrend that Carter drew for you, but also the 200-day moving average. It basically ticked on that uh, uh, the, uh, the moving average to the penny and bounced lower. So from a probability-based perspective, I agree. I think market's going to head lower, where I kind of diverge a bit from where Carter's view is really how far I think the markets can decline. I'm not as bearish. I think you see about a target down to about 412 and maybe 400 to the downside. That's about as far as I think it can go because I think that if the markets do decline below 400, we're heading significantly lower from there. So I like Mike's trade structure. If you use this type of debit spread, it's one of the most capital efficient ways to take a bearish exposure. In this particular case, he's risking less than 2% of SPY to bet on this three to one risk to reward ratio here to the downside. He's targeting that 390, 380 target that Carter has. I think this is going to maybe pull back to around that 400 level. And this is really where debit spreads allow you to have a lot of control into how much you're risking and what your target price is. So you can adjust your strike prices. So for example, you might use a 400, four, uh, 420, 400 uh, debit spread. That's going to risk a little less, about closer to 1% of SPY, but it's only going to give you about a two to one risk to reward ratio. But from my perspective, because I'm not as bearish, I would rather risk less to potentially make a little less here as well. Carter Worth fans will remember from earlier this week that Carter joined us on Fast Money with his bold call, sell Apple, sell all of it. So Carter, this seems to be sort of um, you know, that seems to be part of this call, this overall bearish view. If you have a bearish, that bearish of a view on the biggest stock of them all, then this makes total sense. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, autocorrelation or impact, mm -hmm. right? That's 7.3% of the S&P. Um, but the, the, and how low we go, look, who knows, of course. And Tony is, is making all the right points. There is something that I'm keeping an eye on, which is an unfilled gap down at 3,800. Um, in the S&P, and so it's that sort of level that um, uh, I'm thinking. Yep. Let's check out crude oil closing uh, out the week, down about 2%, continuing its drops in June. The commodity now down nearly 20% this summer. But Tony's got a way to play the space if you think the oil slick is overdone. Tony. Yeah, I want to take a look at Baker Hughes, which is down nearly 40%, and I think now is an opportunity to step back into some of these 
energy names. But if we first take a look at the OIH ETF, which is the oil services ETF that Baker Hughes is part of, what you see is a very clear uptrend over the past couple of years. And we've pulled back to that trend line despite a 30% decline in the ETF. And now we've seen a bounce higher. And I think that's likely going to continue. And then if we look at a chart here of Baker Hughes, the uh, third largest constituent of OIH outside of Halliburton and Schlumberger, what you see is that same uptrend, uh, that same uh, clear uptrend that we've pulled back to after that 40% massive decline that I think now we're going to bounce higher and continue continue higher. But most importantly, if you look at the relative performance of Baker Hughes to the OIH oil services ETF, this is a stock that for the most part trades on par with the with the ETF. So as we expect the ETF and the stock to bounce higher from those trend lines, I expect a little bit of outperformance here from this particular stock based on where it's currently positioned. And if you look at the stock itself, recently they sold off their operations here in, in Russia. That's part of what's tr tr uh, created this 40% decline is that drag that the Russia operations has caused on that. And the sale I think clears a deck and, uh, and uh, provides an opportunity now to seek some long exposure here in this particular name. But the stock is basing, it's currently forming this bottoming formation, but it hasn't broken out yet. And that's a tricky part when you're using an option strategy because I think the upside is there and I wanna buy premium, but I don't wanna pay too much in time decay because I don't have a, a direct catalyst for this to move higher in the very short run. So I'm gonna use a trade structure that Mike uses quite often, which is a call spread risk reversal. I'm going out to October and I'm looking at the 24, 26, 29 call spread risk reversal. What I'm doing here is I'm selling a $24 put option that obligates me to buy the stock at around 2360 uh, or so and using that the, the premium that I collect on that uh, short put to finance the purchase of that 26-29 call spread. That gives me that upside exposure up until 29. And I'm doing it for about a 40 cent credit. So this would obligate me to buy that stock, like I said, around 23.60, which is the lows we saw here from about three, uh, two to three weeks ago, uh, but gives me uh, ex upside exposure here all the way up to 29 without paying any additional premium to do so. Mike, what do you think of the trade? Well, as he pointed out, it's a trade I use quite a lot, so I like that element. Here's something else to think about. You know, if you're collecting 40 or 50 cents or so to put a trade like this on, um, you know, that's not actually such a bad premium collection. Uh, that's nearly 2% of the current stock price. So that's a, that's a nice aspect. Of course, having participation to the upside, but not having that immediate downside exposure is also attractive. And here you have a stock that's basing. So by selling that downside put, you do have a, a sort of a level, a reference point in which you can sort of say, okay, I'm willing to draw a line in the sand and, and get long here. I'm not long this particular name, I am long Halliburton. And for those of you who have uh, stock on, like if you happen to own Baker Hughes already, or if you own Halliburton, a put spread collar will give your position essentially the exact same risk reward characteristics as the one that Tony's articulated. Carter. I'm all for it. I mean. I myself like the XLE here uh, better. And in fact, if you look at OIH's relative strength to the overall energy sector as measured by XLE, it's poor. Um, uh, but as the lines are drawn, of course, Tony knows exactly what he's doing. You've got a stock that just dropped 40% bigger, and it's down to a level where rebound potential is high. Tony, have you also looked at XLE? Are you trading that? 
I have looked at XLE. It's actually just broken up out above that 78 and a half level. I think it's also an opportunity as well, in addition to this specific name here. I, I actually like XLE as an ETF, and I like this specific name here in oil services. All right, still to come, if you like summer travel, you think the recent run in the Jets ETF is coming to a close, Professor Ko has just the ticket. Don't forget, there's lots more options action on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be right back. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out the Jets ETF that tracks U.S. airlines. It's very stealthily up 9% in just the last two months. Does this promising performance mean the travel trade is ready to take flight? Not so fast. Cohen Carter don't think this one is cleared for takeoff just yet. But if this ETF comes in for a hard landing, the professor has a way for you to collect some profits at baggage claim. So many puns in here. Close your overhead compartment. One more. Buckle your seatbelt. Another one. Because it's time for the call to action. Mike, take it away, please. Yeah, I mean, is there anybody who has heard pleasant stories about air travel lately? Um, you know, I am somebody who traveled a lot, uh, over 100,000 miles a year. And I was, of course, one of the airline's best customers because I was a business traveler. But since the pandemic, I have never really come back to traveling quite as much as I used to. Nowhere near it, in fact. So, of course, we did see a big uptick in consumers, uh, you know, leisure travel. But just take a look at what's going on right now. And we have a confluence of events, and none of them are really all that positive. For one thing, we're seeing almost eye-wateringly high ticket prices. Almost every time I talk to anybody who's traveling anywhere, friends and neighbors, this is the first thing they complain about. And you combine that with very stretched consumer budgets due to other inflationary pressures, that's not a great recipe. We are, of course, also coming to the end of you know, the biggest season for leisure travel, essentially, since we've reopened, if you will. You put all of those things together, that is not a fantastic recipe. Now, one other quick point I would make about Jets, the ETF, when we were talking about what the S&P might do, if the market is going to go lower, names like Jets are probably going to go lower as well. Now, this is a higher volatility ETF than SPY is. In fact, it's about one and a half times as volatile. So again, you are going to want to use uh, something like a debit put spread to take advantage of the fact that the trend is generally bearish, uh, but the premiums are relatively high. I was looking at the October 1816 put spread. When I was looking at that, that was about 60, 65 cents. Now, you'll notice that's a little bit more than the quarter of the distance between the strikes that I usually like to spend. That is partially a function of what I'm talking about here, that the that the volatility of jets is higher, therefore the options premiums are higher uh, as a percentage of the stock price and as a percentage of the spread. But I think that's probably the way you want to play it if you if you think there's some downside. And, and personally, uh, I think it's likely to follow the trend of the broader market, and that's lower. Carter, uh, what's your take on the charts here? That's right. Follow the trend of the broad market, but with beta, so lower and then some. Let's look at a table or two and a chart or two. The first is the one-year performance. Numbers, they tell the tale. In fact, if you see the stacking order here of, uh, let's say, SPY versus Q, the leader 
at down only 3.2% is the IYT. That's the transportation ETF meant to mirror the Dow, of which all the airlines are a member. And bringing up the rear, you see jets at the bottom down 16.3. Now, a, a comparative chart is worthwhile. Look at this five-year comparative chart. I mean, what, Q's up 130, S&P up 75, all positive, even the IWM. And there's, of course, Jets down 40% over the past five years. You know, not so good. Uh, let's do some here and now charts. This is Jets. It's a great ETF. It's a cute symbol anyway, right? No lines or drawings. And final uh, iteration with lines and drawings. I think we're breaking trend here, just as the market's breaking, about to break its minor uptrend, but you'll get juice in this case. And then just one thing about fundamentals, debt. Big debt is always a problem, and it's a retardant mm. to growth. These are highly indebted companies. Yeah. Uh, Tony, what do you think of the airlines? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the issue here isn't so much demand uh, because we see that number of flights in North America back to 2019 levels, revenue for many of these airlines back to 2019 levels, but it's that high cost and high fuel cost that has significantly hit the, the, the bottom line. If you look at EPS, we're nowhere close to 2019. We're nowhere close to getting back to those levels. And that's why these airlines are trading 40% below those 2019 levels. And, you know, I've certainly made a few attempts at picking the bottom on some of these airlines. So the best domestic airlines, Southwest Airlines, United Airlines, when international travel looked like it was coming back, those have all sputtered out here. And I think the most important chart here that Carter's referring to is that relative performance. That poor relative performance is impossible to ignore. So I'm certainly uh, in the same camp here that I think airlines could head lower. And using a, a put debit spread like Mike is using here, again, just like the one he's using for SPY, it's the most capital efficient way to take a bearish exposure on a specific name or ETF that you have a bearish view on. Here he's risking a little over 3% of the stocks uh, of the ETF's value to get about a two to one risk to reward ratio on, a, on, a, on an ETF that is quite volatile. So it costs a lot to buy those put options. It makes sense to use spreads to lower the cost and reduce your risk on this particular trade. Last word to Mike. Yeah, I think Carter brought up an interesting point here, which is the debt levels. You know, you can see the market capitalization of a company fall, but if that's offset by an increase in debt, the enterprise value hasn't necessarily declined. And that's not the only thing to consider. That's going to increase the volatility of the equity. If the whole enterprise is swinging around by roughly the same amount, and I think it could swing around by more, the more levered it is, the more the stock's going to move on a percentage basis. Up next, we're taking a look back on one of Tony's home improvement trades. Plus, we're taking some of your questions. A call to the tweets is next. Much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for a trade update. Last week, Tony laid out a way to go short Home Depot. We're back to a pretty important level, that 315 level. This is a prior level of support that's now going to be a level of resistance. We see a lot of uh, buyers no longer stepping in, perhaps some sellers uh, getting back in that are trapped above looking to get out of their trades. I'm going out to September and I'm buying the 310-285 put spread, paying about $7.13 for this debit spread. That's risking only two, uh, about a little over 2% of the stock's value. Since then, Home Depot has climbed about 2%. There's still some time left on the trade. But, Tony, how are you playing it now? 
Yeah, there's definitely still some uh, time left here on this particular trade, but the best rule of thumb here is when you get a trade like this with a catalyst like on earnings, when you get it wrong, it's time to cut your losses on this particular trade. I do think that there is a possibility for this trade to still come back. So because we're down about 50% on the specific trade, I would close out half the position if you have more than one contract and leave the other half to potentially uh, for, the, for the Home Depot to drift a little lower to the downside. All right, it's time to take some of your tweets. The first one asks, what is the strategy to collect premiums that I could use with major index ETFs like SPY or QQQ if my market view is down to sideways in the next two months but rip higher toward year's end? Mike, what's your take on this? Uh, well, the first thing is this guy has a pretty good crystal ball because it's hard enough to call the market's direction without telling you when it's going to go down and when it's going to go <laughs> up. So we may need to talk. However, what I would say is that if you think that it's going to drift only mildly, or if it's going to be range-bound, you could sell some credit spreads to the upside. In this case, sell some uh, call spreads against either one of those. I think that would be a good way to play it. And then wait the two months before you start making bullish bets. All right. Our next Twitter user asks, what's your trade on Bitcoin through BITO? Carter. Well, let's talk about Bitcoin first. Of course, it's the same sequence as the market. It bottomed on June 18th, market June 16th. It topped this week, but it was a 43% move, right, from 1,700 to 25, and now heading the other way. Uh, I would just be short, or I would uh, sell a call credit spread above. All right, we do have one a time for one more, and this one says, with Buffett buying, Apple selling bonds uh, to buy stock and money going into S&P index funds, how do I manage my Apple short plays if this thing doesn't behave the way we think it will? Take this one, Tony, please. Well, I think that's a fantastic question, and I think that this is a broader question with respect to when a trade doesn't work out, what do you do? You should always have a plan before you get in as to when you're going to get out at a loss and stick to that and make sure that you don't throw good money after bad money. So if you're going to get out of a trade and you want to get into another one, separate the two decisions from each other. All right. Good advice there. Up next, we have the final call. Carter. Shorting extreme strength, Apple, and shorting extreme weakness, Jets, Airlines. Tony Zhang. The cooling off here in energy is an opportunity to get long Baker Hughes, buying a call spread risk reversal. Mike Coe. Yeah, we reduced a lot of our long positions this week. And if you want to do the same thing, but with options, consider put spreads like the one on SPY. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action for Friday. We'll be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere, though. A CNBC special batter, battle excuse me, for the consumer. That starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.